Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. An Erio's Original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we'll be discussing one of America's saddest historical tragedies, The Trail of Tears. Here's what you need to know. In 1830, approximately 125,000 Native Americans lived in Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, Alabama, and Florida. They occupied millions of acres of land that for centuries had been inhabited by their ancestors. But by the end of the decade, the Cherokee, Creek, Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Seminole nations had been almost completely wiped out of the southeastern United States. The federal government, acting on the behalf of white settlers, seized their ancestral lands and ordered their relocation, a treacherous journey we now refer to as the Trail of Tears. 
thousands of Native Americans were forced to walk over 220 miles over the Mississippi River into what was then known as Indian Territory. Many of them didn't make it. Those who did had no other option than to start over. What now seems like an unthinkable demand was at the time widely accepted as a necessary part of white settlers' manifest destiny. But how could this happen, and why is it that we're taught so little about one of the United States' darkest historical events? In the early 19th century, post-American Revolution settlers were faced with something they saw as a big problem. Their population was growing and expanding into the Lower South, and the Native nations living in the area posed an obstacle. Eager to acquire their land to farm cotton, the settlers pressured the federal government for help on the matter. At first, government officials, including George Washington, believed that the best way to handle this obstacle was through the inculturation of the Native people into their colonial white American society. They sought to convert them to Christianity and teach them to read and write English. They also wanted the Native people to adopt their European practices, like that of owning land and farming. For women, sewing, tending to the home, and rearing children. This was a divisive proposition within the tribes, though it was embraced by some Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, and Creek people. For these attempts, the United States would go on to classify these nations as, quote, the five civilized tribes. Some members went on to build plantations and become wealthy slave owners. But it didn't matter how far the Native Americans enculturated. The settlers viewed them as alien, referring to them as, quote, savages. The settlers resented that they occupied land they believed they deserved. As a result, the settlers took to squatting on native land, stealing their livestock, looting their homes, and even committing mass murders, all while the federal government turned a blind eye to these acts. As tensions boiled and more and more settlers made their way south, the government began to consider a different course of action. In 1814, Andrew Jackson was a U.S. military commander and a fierce proponent of Indian removal. He'd successfully led his forces in defeating a faction of the Creek Nation, and as a result, the Creeks had lost 22 million acres of land. Jackson later acquired more land when his troops invaded Spanish Florida in 1818 as retaliation against the Seminoles for the practice of harboring fugitive slaves. During this time, Jackson negotiated treaties between southern tribes that took their land in exchange for lands in the West. In agreeing to these treaties, the tribes were hoping to appease the government so that they could retain at least some of their land. During these years, the U.S. gained control of native lands that spanned over three-quarters of Alabama and Florida. They also acquired parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, Kentucky, and North Carolina. Then, in 1823, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Native Americans could not own land. It stated that they had a, quote, right of occupancy, but held no title to it. The title to the land lay with its discoverer. This posed a great threat to the survival of the Native nations. The Cherokee attempted to protect their rights by legal means. In 1827, they drafted a written constitution based on the United States Constitution, declaring themselves a sovereign nation. 
but the state of Georgia refused to recognize their sovereign status, instead choosing to view them as tenants living on state land. When the Cherokees took their case to the Supreme Court, the courts ruled against them. In 1829, Andrew Jackson became president. He'd gained support for his presidency by promising to continue the transfer of native lands to white settlers and won on this platform. Now, as president, he continued his crusade. The Cherokee went to the Supreme Court once again in 1831 on a matter involving a Georgia law prohibiting whites from living in native land without a license. This time, the Supreme Court favored the Cherokee and objected to Georgia's practices. The court affirmed that the native nations were sovereign nations, therefore Georgia and other states could have no force. But the state of Georgia simply ignored the ruling, and President Jackson supported Georgia's lack of action. He's quoted as saying, The decision of the Supreme Court has fallen stillborn, and they find that they cannot coerce Georgia to yield to its mandate. The southern states were determined to take ownership of native lands. A year prior, in 1830, President Jackson had signed the Indian Removal Act, which gave the federal government the power to exchange native-held land in the South for land in the Indian Colonization Zone, which the U.S. had acquired as part of the Louisiana Purchase and was located in present-day Oklahoma. The law stated that these treaties be done fairly and peacefully and forbade the government from coercing native nations into giving up their land. But this was ignored by government officials who used manipulative tactics that took advantage of discordant tribal leaders. The Choctaws were the first to sign a removal treaty, and the War Department was assigned to make sure that they were expelled. In the winter of 1831, the Choctaw became the first nation to set off on the journey, out west, on foot. Not all of them wanted to leave. In fact, most of them resisted. Historians write that some were bound in chains and marched double file. Others were barefoot. Most had no food or supplies with them as they'd been ordered to leave without notice, and they received no help from the government on their journey. When they arrived in Oklahoma, a reporter from an Alabama newspaper was waiting for them. When asked about the journey, one Choctaw leader described it as, quote, a trail of tears and death. For the next 28 years, the United States government forcefully relocated the southeastern nations. The Creeks initially refused to emigrate and never signed a removal treaty, but by 1837, approximately 15,000 Creeks were forced to migrate west. The Seminoles also refused to leave their land, declaring that a treaty signed by a small group of their tribe members was illegitimate. This resulted in the Second Seminole War, which went on from 1835 to 1842, and later the Third Seminole War from 1855 to 1858. The Second Seminole War cost the Jackson administration upwards of $60 million, 10 times the amount allotted to remove the tribes, and thousands of people lost their lives. Years later, those who remained received some payment from the government for their land. The Chickasaw, on the other hand, saw their removal as inevitable and were less resistant. They signed a treaty in 1832 where they were promised Western land and military protection until they moved. But that didn't happen. 
they migrated in the winter of 1837 to 1838 and were forced to pay the Choctaws for their right to live in part of their western land. As for the Cherokees, members were tricked into an illegitimate treaty in 1833, the Treaty of New Echota. Although they petitioned in protests, their rights were ignored, and in 1836, they were given two years to migrate voluntarily. At the end of that time, they would be forcibly removed. By 1838, only 2,000 had left, and 16,000 Cherokees still remained on their land as a final act of defiance. As a result, 7,000 troops were sent by the U.S. government to oversee their departure at Bayonet Point. Unable to gather their belongings, they walked away from their homes and watched as white settlers entered and looted everything they left behind. Over 4,000 Cherokee people died on their march out west. In the end, the U.S. government stripped approximately 100,000 indigenous people of their land and forced their relocation to Indian territory. This opened 25 million acres of land to white settlement. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. According to Smithsonian Magazine, all told, the process of removal claimed more than 11,000 Native American lives. 2,000 to 4,000 of them were Cherokee. Causes of death associated with the Trail of Tears vary, but most fall under the following categories. Diseases contracted while in containment camps awaiting removal, exhaustion and or elements while traveling along the trail, starvation or malnutrition, diseases contracted in new lands post-removal, and battle, resisting forcible removal. The route followed by the largest number of Cherokees, 12,000 people or more, according to some estimates, was the Northern Route, a distance of more than 800 miles through Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, and into Indian Territory. The last group of Cherokees made it to Indian Territory in March 1839. The federal government promised that their new land would remain unmolested forever, but as the line of white settlement pushed westward, Indian country shrank and shrank. In 1907, Oklahoma became a state, and Indian territory was gone for good. The Trail of Tears is over 5,043 miles long and covers nine states. Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Illinois, Kentucky, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hi, Rebecca. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi, Rebecca. And our very special guest is my friend, actor, writer, Tess Peras. Hi, Tess. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Tess, um, just so our listeners understand the context of which we're recording this, I want to let them know that today we're still waiting for results for this presidential election. So whatever we say, it's without the knowledge of who our next president is going to be. Yeah. My heart's been racing for, since, what, Tuesday? <laughs> That's right. So I've got my water. I'm hydrated. We're all going to relax and talk about some fun stuff. 
And and <laughs> that's right. So, so, so we thought it would be a great idea. You know, one of these days where I would say the most anxious of 2020, if that could even be, if that could even be, we thought it'd be great to cover the Trail of Tears. One of the worst, <laughs> most terrible U.S. tragedies of of its time, of its time. So here we are. Good move, Rebecca. Well, we have to dive in. Uh, we have a lot to cover. We got to get straight to it. First, up on the board, Andrew Jackson. I'm not going to even spend that much time on him, honestly, because it's a uh, it's a given, right? So he's the guy who um, the state government. Uh, so state government joined in the effort to drive Native Americans out of the South. Several states passed laws limiting Native American sovereignty and rights um, and encroaching on their territory. In Worcester versus Virginia, which was the uh, Supreme Court ruling in 1832, uh, the Supreme Court objects to these practices. Andrew Johnson, uh, he's noted. uh, Sorry, Andrew Johnson. (laughs) Andrew Johnson is my friend's Rebecca Johnson's brother. Andrew Jackson was a president. So Jackson, he's noted as saying, you know, that he doesn't care. You know, he's not going to lift a finger. If, if Georgia wants to, uh, you know, take care of it, then they can do it if the Supreme Court wants to do it. But, you know, they're just going to turn a blind eye. Apparently, this was something that happened. People ignored Supreme Court uh, rulings uh, back then. Um, but anyway, Andrew Jackson also has been was an advocate of what he called the Indian removal as an army general, he had spent years leading brutal campaigns against the Creeks in Georgia and Alabama and the Seminoles in Florida. Um, they all resulted in a transfer of hundreds of thousands of acres of land from Indian nations to white farmers. He was the one who signed the Indian Removal Act while he was president. Um, and he was also um, his government really frequently ignored the letter of the law and forced Native Americans to vacate their land that they had lived in generations, totally unfair. He goes up on the board. Any uh, any thoughts? <laughs> Anyone disagree? Oh, he's up there. I mean, even in my preliminary research for this, when I was looking at Andrew Jackson, just because, I, you know, I get presidents mixed up. I was like, there's a big tell that I found out that this guy's a bad guy. And if you've learned anything from the musical Hamilton, Andrew Jackson was Aaron Burr's best friend. Okay. Yikes. So, you know, the company you keep. Uh, now, Rebecca, I believe you or your mom has a saying about this, right? <laughs> Thank you so That's much come for up remembering. on the podcast. Yes. Thank you, Amanda. The saying is, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you what you're like. It's a, you know, it's an imperfect translation from Spanish. Um, <laughs> but you get the gist of it. Also, we got to put up Martin Van Buren. Now, he's one of the lesser-known presidents. I know that he's lesser-known because I barely knew of him. So that's how I knew that. So according to History.com, during his two terms in the White House, he did two terms. Okay, from 1820... Oh, no, this is Andrew Jackson, sorry. (laughs) Uh, From 1829 to 1837, Andrew Jackson was responsible for putting Indian removal policies in place. However, he left office between... 
before the 1838 deadline for the Cherokees to surrender their land in the East. It was Jackson's presidential successor, Martin Van Buren, who ordered General Winfield Scott to forcibly evict the Cherokees. Scott's troops rounded up thousands of Cherokees and then imprisoned them in uh, forts in Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Alabama. During these roundups, the Indians were given time to pack weren't giving, given time to pack, and family members, including children, sometimes got left behind if they weren't home when the soldiers showed up. The uh, Native Americans were transferred from the forts to detention camps, most of them in Tennessee, to await deportation. At both of the forts and camps, uh, living conditions were bleak, and disease rampant and diseases were rampant and an unknown number of cherokees died just waiting to leave on their journey absolutely terrible um let's put van buren up on the board he of course acquired this uh i guess what 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 can you call it a job he acquired the job right but he definitely didn't handle it very well, uh, as we know. And so many of the Cherokee um, died. You know, the Cherokee were the ones who did lose the most members of their tribe during the journey. So that also has something to do with it. I think that we also need to put Congress up on the board. Mm -hmm. On, On April 24th, 1830, the Senate passed the Indian Removal Act by a vote of 28 to 19. On May 26, 1830, the House representatives passed the act by a vote of 101 to 97. According to Smithsonian Magazine, the federal policy of Indian removal, which ranged far beyond the Trail of Tears and the Cherokee, was not simply the vindictive scheme of Andrew Jackson, but rather a poorly, a popularly endorsed congressionally sanctioned campaign spanning the administrations of nine separate presidents. So it goes deep. It's not just one Andrew Jackson who has uh, something against the Native Americans. This is something that everyone got behind. Yeah, nine presidents, you said, nine administrations. Yeah, and we're we're going to throw a few of these other presidents up on the board. I I mean, I have something to throw up on the board if we like really zoom out and think about this. Like, it's, I feel like it's just, you know, you're talking about how it's nine administrations. That's a big campaign. And I think it's, I would throw up like dehumanization on the board Mm. of thinking, like, you know, this is, you're going to, for nine administrations, we're all going to think of these people, of of Native Americans who have been here as less than somehow. Like, I'm just going to blame that because that seems like something that everyone bought into, regardless of where you were. So, dehumanization, Uh, I mean, is that just racism as well? I think that's part of it. I think you could say it's one of, a portion of what's happening is, you know, just looking at another race or looking at another culture of people and saying they are less than what we have. Like, I'm even in talking about the history of it, there was something that you were talking about of like the who um, whoever discover it, whoever discovered the land has rights to the land rather than the people who are there. Like it goes to the discoverer. It's wild. It's a it's a it's incomprehensible. It's something that we can't even understand how they got away with that. 
There's okay. So let's put racism up on the board and let's also put George Washington up on the board. Now, I have a little bit to say here about George Washington because he's, you know, we think of him as our dear founding father and it's complicated, people. It's not so black and white. So MountVernon.org, uh, during the French and Indian War, Washington spent the majority of his uh, t- of his army service in Indian country and had the opportunity to interact with Native Americans for, from ma- many nations. He grew to appreciate Native warriors' military tactics he saw firsthand and later implemented some of the, them during the Revolutionary War. So he's already stealing. As a commander-in-chief... Washington instructed armed forces to attack Native nations allied with the British who resisted American expansion. Okay? Do we we understand that? So now he's... Because it's important to note that the Native Americans sided with the British during the American Revolution. Some of them. uh, Some of the... Them. I I believe it's most of them. Yeah, and it's also important to note that it's like really hard to talk about Native American history in blocks because there there were much, there were disparate tribes. There's like literally hundreds of tribes, and within tribes there are smaller factions. But it is similar to how we speak of like Latinos, how we like or Latinx, um, how we clump them all together. And they're a group. But, you know, if you really take a closer look, it's like Mexicans history is very different than Puerto Rican history, than very different from Cubans and Venezuelans and so on and so forth. I mean, it just show, it goes to show how much we were not taught in exactly school at exactly. all, at all. Like I, I, you know, grew up in Southern California. And the thing that we learned about our own Native American history is named. We knew that we were living in the Chumash area because that was the name of the park. And that was about it. Where it was like, okay, we're on Chumash land. Why? Because there's a park named after it. And that's what we're going to learn. And there's like one chapter in the book about that. But like, it's just not ingrained in our educational system at all to talk yeah. about it. It's I mean, terrible. The reason we know about, I'm from Florida. And the reason we know about Seminoles is because they're the mascot for, I mm. believe it's FSU, right? Seminoles? <laughs> <laughs> Football? Well, uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Is that still, actually, Chris, I'm curious about that. Is that correct? Or will yes, you look Florida that up? State Florida State uh, University. Uh, the, they're the Seminoles. And that remains. To this day, yes. Okay, we got to continue with uh, Washington because there's so much to cover. By the time of his presidency, Washington and many of his contemporaries had come to believe that Native Americans had no choice but to assimilate into American society or face extinction. Uh, According to Zocalo.org, Calm at, at a time when the United States was still weak, many Indian nations were still strong and represented a significant threat to a preca- precarious infant republic. Washington knew that he must build his nation on Indian land, and by war and dipl- diplomacy, he helped set the United States on a path of westward expansion that transformed tribal homelands into American territories and then into state. Washington and his Secretary of War, Henry Knox, agreed that the most honorable and least expensive way to get Indian land was to purchase it in treaties, offering Indian tribes a fair price for their land. Washington hoped that would allow the United States to expand with minimal bloodshed and at the same time treat Indian peoples with justice. But when Indians refused to sell... 
Washington was ready to wage war against them. Changes what we think of Washington, in my opinion. Right, what we're taught. Also needing to put up on the board is Thomas Jefferson. He, You're getting them all. You're collecting them all. One Collect by all one. the take all the founding founding big boys. Founding big boys. <laughs> the founding oh big God. boys. Should we yeah, just put them all on the board? Different bills up on the board, like different dollar bill increases. That's right. <laughs> I wish. I wish I had cash. What is it? Two thousand one. What's cash? (laughs) (laughs) Thomas Jefferson, he's the one who purchased, you know, he was uh, the purchase of the Louisiana Territory from France um, in 1803 gave U.S. President Thomas Jefferson an opportunity to implement an idea he had contemplated for years, the relocation of eastern tribes beyond the Mississippi River. Okay, so I have, we've got George, we've got Thomas, and then I loved what Tess said, you called them the founding big boys. So we also have that included on the board. Perfect. So we also have to talk about the American Revolution. During the American Revolution, the Cherokees fought alongside the British, which was what I was talking about, whom uh, they considered their trading partners. After the war, when American forces came to Cherokee towns, they took revenge on them. Militias burned them down, destroying their buildings and crop and killing anyone that they could find. American independence made it so that there were no there there was now no European power to check American aggression towards the natives. So like now it's just the Americans here. They don't have the French, they don't have the British to kind of to intervene, really. So pop up, pop up the uh, American Revolution. <laughs> I mean that is that's interesting. It's like yeah, the American Revolution is to blame. I mean, I guess it's just like America in general too. Like n- forming a nation you know is problematic. <laughs> I, mean, I mean this is yeah this is what people say when you when you talk when you talk about like america's shady past shall we say they start to justify how great america is and important and it's like yeah america's great great idea it's a great and there's a lot of good things about it but at the same time you're totally right amanda there was absolutely no justification for the sort of unfolding of America as a nation, um, the way that it unfolded. So, I mean, I just, yeah. Is there, is there, is there an America that didn't sort of that, where these tragedies did not transpire? Like, was there a country ever founded without some event like this? I I mean, is that thinking too? I'm like, I don't think you could say the same thing, you know, because yeah, it's a similar parallels and, Australia, you know, right. There's still Aboriginal, you know, Aboriginal culture there, and an indigenous populations there. I'm like, there's indigenous populations everywhere, and then you just have Europeans who write their own constitution and want to force it on everybody, you know, or, or you know, uh, yeah, new kinds of versions of that. So I don't know. I mean, should we put it, up the yeah. Europeans? <laughs> I think so, in a way, because like the Americans, we came from there, you know, right. so. So they kind of like started it. <laughs> <laughs> they started. They started it. They started it. <laughs> um, okay, now we got to talk about another huge one. It's a three-parter. It's the Indian civilization policy, enculturation, and patriarchy. <laughs> and ding, ding, hear me ding. out. Hear me out. 
So enculturation is the gradual acquisition of the characteristics and norms of a culture or group by a person or another culture. Cherokee society was a matriarchy. Children took to the clan of the mother and kinship was traced through the mother's family. Women had an equal voice in the affairs of the tribe. Although men were the tribal chiefs, they were chosen and put in leadership positions by women. I did not know that. That's crazy. Um, Not crazy. It sounds like a good idea. Uh, When a man married a woman, he joined her clan instead of the opposite. Okay, so this didn't sit well with the white male settlers who had come from a strong patriarchal society. In traditional Cherokee society, agriculture was the domain of women. They wanted the native men to take over the farming and they wanted the women to do the traditional quote unquote women's role of cooking, tending the home, raising the children, sewing, etc. After the American Revolution, the new United States government created a, quote, civilization policy that it promoted among Indian groups. The goal of the, the, quote, civilization was to force Cherokee and other Indians away from their traditional occupations of hunting and warfare into livelihoods that resembled those of white citizens and settlers, such as farming. Civilization, quote, uh, constrained Cherokee men who once derived their status through hunting and gift giving. The government's desire to make Cherokee men farmers proved culturally problematic. The Cherokees did not need to learn how to farm, as the prime occupation of the Cherokee woman was indeed agriculture. To avoid a loss of manhood associated with doing women's work, some Cherokee farmers with slaves uh, uh, with slaves on plantations. Others raised livestock on smaller farmsteads. Either way, Cherokees that embraced civilization resided in dwellings that resembled those of white settlers and their occupants engaged in similar duties. In 1828, so this is uh, bef- right before the uh, Indian Removal Act is signed in 1830, the Cherokee uh, drafted a constitution and modeled it after the American Constitution, and they stated that their people had to believe in a supreme being. It disenfranchised African Americans, and going against their ancient matriarchal tradition, it gave political privileges only to males. Mm. I have a question, because I have a different understanding of the word enculturate. I always thought that there's enculturation, assimilation, and acculturation. And I always thought enculturate was when you learn your own culture. Hmm. Assimilate is when you leave your own culture for the larger majority culture. But then acculturate is when you take part of both cultures and find your own. I, that's what I always thought. But I thought in, I thought enculturate was just the act of you learning your own culture. Like as children, we're enculturated into our own civilization. Right. Well, that's a great question that, for fact checker. Well, I think it's from the perspective perspective of the Americans, they thought what they were doing was they were doing. enculturation. Like, yes. We'll f- bring you into the fold. I think from a modern perspective, we'd look back and we would call it acculturation. So I think it's a right. really important. Oh, that's very important, Tess. Um, and a good. Yeah, you're 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 right. You're right because from their point of view, they're assuming that native peoples have no culture. Period. 
or that they're like their culture just doesn't exist again to the like dehumanization racism aspect of this was earlier as in you must not have one you must not be doing this correctly right therefore we will <laughs> well a lot of it was also a cr- cr- christianity based like it was there was no proper worship and they thought a lot of these souls couldn't be saved the way that these they called them savages were sort of going about their lives so should we put religion up? Yes. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. And we also need to put up the entitled white settlers because of all of the above. I'm not going to even explain why. Um, another thing we have to put up on the board is this Georgia gold rush and perhaps Georgia in general, although Georgia might save this election for us. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, we better not put Georgia in jail just yet, but they're on the chopping block. We'll call it the Georgia Gold Rush because that's what it was. So according to CherokeeIndians.com, 10,000 white men invaded Cherokee land in Daloenga, Daloega. Daloega, uh, Georgia, in 1828 with gold fever. The momentum of this wave of white uh, of whites would wash the Cherokee off their ha- their lands. No amount of persuasion would hold back the tide of greed for riches. When Jackson was elected president in 28, his first act was the Indian Removal Bill. Georgia, confident in presidential support, passed laws that Cherokees could not dig gold even on their own land. Mm. Cherokee law was declared null and void, and Georgia law was established as the supreme law of the land. Whites had to take an oath of loyalty to Georgia. And there were other laws, too. Georgia passed laws prohibiting Cherokees from testifying against whites and from selling land. And they also passed a law forbidding public dissent. All white men who wanted to live amongst Cherokees needed to be licensed by the state or they would go to jail for four years. I mean, it just feels like everything they did just shows you that their perspective on these people at the time was just that they were subhuman. Sounds like another point for dehumanization. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Tess seems to be taking this as a competition. Like, it, it's like you win if you the one you put up on the board gets chosen. It's because it's it's what happens when you habitually check 538 every day and like all these other infographics. You're like, yeah. everything's a competition now. I'm a watchdog. I'll leave everything's points. Oh my God, this election has really gotten to you. We have to talk about the Treaty of Echota, um and the Treaty Party. And now, I, I don't really think they're to blame, but I think it's really important that we understand how this went down. This will help explain, give us more clarity. Um, According to history.com, John Ross became the tribe's principal chief in 1828. He was the chief of the Cherokees. And he was strongly opposed to giving up the Cherokees' ancestral lands, as were the majority of the Cherokee people. However, a small group within the tribe believed that it was inevitable that white settlers would keep encroaching on their land. And therefore, the only way to preserve Cherokee culture and to survive as a tribe was to move west. In December of 1835, while Ross was away, this minority faction of about 500 uh, people Cherokee people claiming to be representing the 16,000 Cherokees signed a treaty at New Echota, the Cherokee Nation capital located in Georgia, agreeing to sell 
the U.S. government all tribal lands in the East in exchange for $5 million and new land in the West. As part of this agreement, the government was supposed to help cover the Cherokees' moving costs and pay to support them during their first year in Indian Territory. When Ross found out about the treaty, he argued that it had been illegal. There's conflict within the tribe. I don't think, obviously, we can blame them. It's, right. It's so complicated because you're is, trying to think there's an end to this. Maybe this is maybe they'll stop being greedy and maybe this is the compromise. Maybe this is the right thing for everyone. If we can just find a place for, you know, find a home for everybody. But, you know, American greed and manipulation was unrelenting. Is unrelenting. Well, <laughs> you know? I like what and, if, Tess, that's so good. What if we put American? What did you say? Greed and manipulation? Ooh, yeah, pretty good. Um, relentless American greed and manipulation. I don't know how we don't send that to jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I feel like we have a hefty list, right, Amanda? Yeah, we do. We're looking really, we've got a lot of solid options. Someone will pay for the Trail of Tears tonight. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, so who is to blame for the Trail of Tears? Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, Congress, dehumanization, racism, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, founding big boys, American Revolution, Europeans, Indian civilization policy slash enculturation or acculturation, Mm -hmm. patriarchy, religion, entitled white settlers, Georgia Gold Rush and Gold Itself, Treaty of Dachota, or Relentless American Greed and Manipulation. <laughs> Off the bat, I think we can take the Treaty of Dachota out. I think uh, that was a, a result of something that was already happening. 
I also think that we can put George Washington and Thomas Jefferson into the uh, American, uh, the the founding big boys. You want to put Jackson in there? No, I think he needs to stand alone because he he was particularly terrible. And he conceived of the removal idea, right? That was his brainchild. And Martin Van Buren, he acquired the the job, and did a and was a, a terrible and person, just a terrible. Let's person. keep him. I say let's keep him for now. I yeah. think maybe um, American Revolution and Europeans can come off because I think we've. I like relentless American greed and manipulation better. What do you think? I like it. I like it. I feel like we can put Indian civilization policy. Can we fold that into, uh, you know, dehumanization? I think racism, Indian civilization policy can all be sort of folded into dehumanization. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See where you're going. Mm -hmm. Now, what about Congress? Yeah, Tess, you're winning. Uh, The infographic in my mind of where the bubbles are shifting, just like the NPR. Congress is an interesting one, Amanda. I mean, in some ways, you know, Congress almost stopped some of this. Chota barely squeaked by Congress, didn't it? It passed by one vote. So you can you can make an argument that without Congress, well, it did pass, and Congress passed it. So mm-hmm. I guess you can you can say that. But it was but it was really clearly uh, you know Jackson's will that he was trying to sort of make happen. Well, and these members of Congress were being put there by the people that they were representing, who wanted this stealing. I mean, there were these white settlers who just wanted the land, so they were going to put in power whoever would say that they would do that for them. Yeah, so I'm going to, we can say, we'll wrap Congress into sort of entitled white settlers. Yeah, I like that. Um, And what about patriarchy and religion? Because obviously, those two things were a major part of this sort of movement to either um, acculturate or remove the Native Americans. But I, I don't know, they're both good. What do you guys think? Well, uh, you know what I'm going to say? I think that goes folds into dehumanization. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> okay. She's got, I mean, look, she's a a, a one ticket. <laughs> what is it? A one cause. What are they called? One, one issue. One, one, one issue. issue one issue voter. One, one issue, issue voter. voter. <laughs> my And my issue is dehumanization. It's not, it's not no. a bad bet from no. now until eternity. <laughs> I, had, I, I No, you're right. I had gotten excited about the patriarchy because I found it particularly egregious that because the Cherokee were a matriarchal, matriarchal society, that was that was their issue with them. So I got excited about that. Perhaps just Rebecca, you know. I mean, I, I think need to separate myself. That's fair, but I, but I just think that patriarchy and religion are really just stripes on the side of the van of dehumanization. You know what I mean? It's just sort mm. of like decoration. And by the way, it all comes down in the end to money and greed. You know, even over any of those mm-hmm. values about religion or, you know, uh, the patriarchy, you know, it all comes down to they want the land because they are trying to build something, you know, and have the land to be prosperous. Do we take I was about to take Georgia gold rush rush and gold itself off. Well, I do. That think goes we, into greed. I, I think, think that goes into American greed. Okay. Yeah. 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 And also the entitled white settlers. 
I mean, I understand like the it just feels like, you know, Andrew Jackson, Van Buren and the founding big boys, they were the ones calling these shots as far as the removal process. And I feel like maybe the settlers didn't have the amount of power to organize this sort of, you know, the Trail of Tears. Perhaps with a Mm. more empathetic leadership, this would have been different. This, there would have been a different outcome to this situation. So I agree with you, Amanda. Now, we have left up on the board are Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, dehumanization, the founding big boys, and relentless American greed and manipulation. We got to give one the slap and another one goes to jail. Now, I think we can take Martin Van Buren off. Yeah. He came later in the game. Yeah. I'm not happy with him. And I will let him not know. Not happy with him. He inherited the mess. I just want him to know that my first impression of him, that's a double, that's a double, <laughs> and that's a double insult, <laughs> is really shitty. <laughs> it is a double insult. Nice. We didn't know who you were, but now that we do, not a fan. Between the big boys and Andrew Jackson, because we are talking about the Trail of Tears specifically, right. I feel like I would go Jackson over big boys. I would agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not happy with those big boys. I'm just not happy with them. And, and they, they know it. And trust they, me. They, they should. And they're getting away with one. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you, Washington. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you, George Washington. <laughs> okay. So who are we going to slap? Who are we going to send to jail? I mean, it's between American greed dehumanization and Andrew Jackson. They're all equally terrible. I'm going to make a bold statement Tess is not going to be happy about. Dehumanization is 100% at play here. Mm -hmm. It's just a huge, it's a huge, huge part. I mean, just the nature of the fact that the act was called so blatantly, openly, the Indian Removal Act is just right in its essence dehumanizing. It's it's literally removing. You remove trash is what you do. You remove, you know, stuff that's in the way. You don't you don't talk about people in the in that context. So it is bit well baked into it here. But going back to Amanda's point before, I think when we talk specifically about the Trail of Tears and this mm-hmm. just this event, while de- dehumanization was a huge part of it, I think um, what might be more strongly at play is the work of Andrew Jackson trying to appease the people who wanted land down in the southern areas and also the relentless American greed and manipulation yeah. that is mm-hmm. just sort of baked into the American mm-hmm. sort of manifest destiny. I kind of agree. What do you think, Tess? I, I see what you're saying. I'm starting to get convinced. You know, what's looking really deserving more and more to me is just the very specific concept of relentless American greed and manipulation. <laughs> like that's really starting to to really shine on this list for me. Um, yeah. Because it's just so specifically of that time, of, of other times, but, you know, that's that was at play in so many different um, areas. So, And you know what, mm. Tess? That was one of yours as well. That so was also yours, kind Tess. No, why? So I just, that. a hat tip to myself, I guess. <laughs> We'll never, we'll never know if if we got played. Actually, she must have, she might have played that one beautifully. Listen, this is how I stack the deck. Right. Oh no, dehumanization was just a decoy. 
So, I've listened to this podcast. I know how it works. <laughs> okay. So who's going to get the slap and who's going to go to jail? I mean, because we're talking Trail of Tears. I feel like Jackson was the major player, though. But when we all say that we couldn't have put a check on it because, you know, it was, what, nine administrations to have formed this idea of being behind such a... Oh, interesting. The, the big removal. Okay, now you've changed my mind. That is a very good point, Tess. Okay, hmm. so do you think we slap Andrew Jackson? Oh, he's getting away with one. And, and send relentless American greed and manipulation to the alarmist jail? Is that what we're thinking? Ugh. I mean, I feel good about that. I know you do, Tess. I know you do. <laughs> it's Manda? up to you, Rebecca. I, I you know, I always love to slap a concept. However, mm. I, I understand that, you know, Jackson may have conceived of the removal, but it took a lot of bad people to uh, enable and carry it out yeah. over many, 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 many years. Um, a very, you know, rooted in racism and dehumanization and everything. So, gee, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, maybe we send them both to jail if we want to make an exception, but wow. it's up to you. Has that happened in the history of The Alarmist? I think, I think oh, one time. times. Yeah, once or twice. Both to jail. Hmm. I hate to break rules, you know me. But I, th- I think that that would be appropriate. I think that's appropriate for such a massively terrible thing to do. You can't just let Andrew Jackson get away with it. I can't. I can't Mm. sleep at night. I'm calling it. Wow. (laughs) I'm feeling it. Andrew Jackson, you're going to the alarmist jail. Relentless American greed and manipulation, you're going to the alarmist jail. Hey, and since we're... Sending them both to the alarmist jail. Can we slap them both too? Sure. Ooh, or maybe we should slap. We should pick one other a wild card to slap. Ooh. Oh, fun! Maybe Ooh. give Van Buren a slap. Oh yeah, let's slap <laughs> just Van give Van Buren, Buren a slap. <laughs> yes, slap Van Buren. Okay, this I'm so I good. Love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, Martin Van Buren, you're getting the big slap. Should we slap someone else too, just because we can? We gotta slap dehumanization if we're just handing yeah. them out. Okay, fine. Okay, Tess, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tess, you call it. T- Tess, you call it. All right, this is a very exciting moment. Dehumanization, you're getting a slap. That's <laughs> not a big slap, just no. a slap. But we re- we literally went slap happy. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, it's a day. We've had a day. We deserve it. It was a treat. Chris, do you wow. want to slap someone too? No, let me take a look at the list here. Okay, I got one. Okay. This is going to be a multi-person slap. I'm going to line them all up. All the founding big boys. I'm going to line them all up. Founding big boys. Founding big boys. You're getting a slap. Amanda, if you could put in the special effects like a bunch of slaps. Okay, I will. And I then think there's I eight have one. Hey, Amanda wants one. <laughs> oh, God, I have one too. And me. this you is. You only asked me because you want oh. one. <laughs> well, I think everyone gets to slap someone because Rebecca got to send two people to jail. And so, in honor of Rebecca, though, I'm going to slap the patriarchy. Yes! The patriarchy for the Trail of Tears. You're getting the big slap. 
Tess, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the Trail of Tears. Thanks for having me, y'all. After the Trail of Tears, History.com says a small group of Cherokee people managed to remain in North Carolina, either as a result of the 1819 agreement that established them to stay in their land or because they hid in the mountains from the U.S. soldiers sent to capture them. The group, which also included people who walked back from Indian Territory, became known as the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. Today, the group has approximately 12,500 members who live primarily in western North Carolina. In December of 2009, President Barack Obama signed a bill that included an official apology to all American Indian tribes for past injustices. U.S. Senators Sam Brownback of Kansas and Byron Dorgan of North Dakota led a bipartisan effort to pass the resolution, which stated... The United States, acting through Congress, recognizes that there have been years of official depredations, ill-conceived policies, and the breaking of covenants by the federal government regarding Indian tribes. However, the resolution did not call for reparations and included a disclaimer that it wasn't meant to support any legal claims against the United States. think is to blame by going to the alarmistpodcast.com follow us at the alarmist the on twitter at the alarmist podcast on instagram or email us at the at gmail.com tune in next week these clowns will be discussing the hammond circus train wreck Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.